Liveline on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Coming soon, the all-new Sportage. For more, log on to kia.com. 0818-715-815 Hello, good afternoon. You are very welcome to Liveline. Katie Hannon with you until three o'clock today. And I'm going to go straight over to John now. John Lennon, good afternoon to you. Hi, Katie. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Now, you were listening to me having uh, a bit of a whinge when I was in uh, with Ronan <laughs> earlier about all of these messages coming at us that we have to atone uh, and uh, do all the right things now that January has arrived. You have a particular issue with a particular programme. Yeah, well, it's been, look, I don't, as I said earlier to the researcher, I don't want to upset anyone because everyone has their own uh, favourite programmes and the people that take part in Operation Transformation obviously want to take part in it. But I just think that, um, especially this year now, I, I just think that we're going to be exposed now to a programme where it's um, people that are suffering from uh, being overweight um, and having health issues that... Um, I just think the message, you know, could be just slightly off a small bit this year because people have gone through less in the last two years. And look, people people put up weight and can lose weight. Some people put up weight and can't shift it. It can be a genetic thing. It can be an age-related thing. But everyone is different. And I just think that um, Operation Transformation, my own personal view, and I know it's a view of my, uh, held by my family as well, we sat down and watched it, and we just feel uncomfortable with the, the programme itself. We just think that, you know... We've all been in situations where ourselves, mm. our own bodies are uncomfortable, whether it's at a doctor's or a hospital or whatever. And I just think parading someone that is that is struggling with a weight issue on national television is giving out the wrong message. To uh, I just think it's the wrong angle to be attacking a problem. Because a lot of times people are, are overweight and are quite healthy. They can actually be healthier than people that are underweight. And we've all known people that have ran and jogged and exercised every day of the week and they're, they're gone 20 years before their time. And, you know, it's just it's just after the last two years with um, the lockdowns and the virus and restrictions and no no communicating um, personally with people in, their, in other people's houses or dancing or even standing at a bar with people, that's all gone. And I just think, you know, we probably have enough over the last two years um, maybe it is time there might be a, a different programme um, generated by RT to kind of see good things for, for maybe especially the winter months when people might never chance of going outside to not do things. Indeed. And and tell me, I mean, obviously Operation Transformation has been running a long time now. I, I, I don't know how many years we, uh, we'll find out how many years it's actually been on the go. Massively popular programme at this time of year. But you use the word there uncomfortable, John. Uh, and you said parading uh, people. Yeah, well, yeah, I do. I like the parading part. You know, I, I, it might come across to some people now that it's, uh, it's pity on my behalf, but I just feel, for my own personal thing, I, I mean, I mean, I'm not overweight as such, but I, I could lose. Everyone could lose a few pounds. Um, but I, I've been in situations when when I was ill or whatever, or in a hospital situation. I work in a hospital situation. I'd seen people that are in situations where they're uncomfortable. You can see them uncomfortable because they're vulnerable, they're sick, and they're, they're, they're in a dressing gown that's open one in this, and they're trying to protect themselves, they're on modesty, and 
they're, they're feeling sick and they're in an awful situation. And I just feel then when people are in a situation where they're overweight or underweight, I've seen people in the hospital that are underweight that can't eat. I've seen people in the hospital that can't stop eating. Uh, like, they're all people that need more uh, more care than being paraded, I think, in a way. They need, they need a mental health side of things to be looked at as, as well as everything else. Uh, am, Which, I, uh, am I understanding you right, John, though? Is it, is it particularly that, that weigh-in uh, part of the programme that, that you, you think might be upsetting? Yeah, well, it's for me anyway. I mean, if I if I if I was overweight myself personally, I, I mean, I mean, I, I put on clothes uh, for the last two three weeks, and I, I'm blaming my wife for drying them in the dryer because they're getting smaller. But <laughs> obviously, it is not the situation. It's just that I'm eating too much for the last three weeks. Um, but like, I mean, I, those people that are taking part in that program want to change their lifestyle, and they will grasp onto anything to change it. And anyone would. If they're making a mental decision to change their lives, they will grasp on anything. And I think it, maybe that part of the program is is a small. But look, it's just, to me and you know, my family, we've often said like it's 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 just going a small bit too far. Yeah, and, and just, I just suppose uh, if there is anyone living under a stone out there that hasn't seen uh, up trans over the last number of years, the the. The format is that everyone gets their their uh, target weight, their target weight loss that they have to, to to aim for every week, and then part of the program is that you come out and you step on the weighing scales, and everybody gets to comment then on whether or not you've met your target, or you've missed your target, or you've overshot your target, or whatever. But you do that in in uh, you know fairly skimpy sort of. Uh, Gear, gym gear, I suppose, if you you, you could call it that. And yeah. uh, is that the that is that the the part of it you think you could do without? Well, uh, yeah, that's part of it. But to follow on from that, if someone is doing well and they have reached their targets, they're, they're praised, and that's great for them mental health. But if someone misses their target, doing as well, you know, that's a donor. And we've often seen people break down on the show as well because they're struggling with the diet that they put on, which is obviously a massive disruption to what they were used to. And and the stresses of it, but like I just think like the, get, the, the good part of the show is that gets people out doing the five Ks and gets people off the coaches and gets people moving. That side of the show is fantastic, but they should I, I just think it should ease up a small bit. And it's a small bit of a body shaming um, stint comes off it at that stage, you know. And we've all been body shamed in our days when we were growing up, when we were teenagers, and when we became adults. Someone, someone, there's no one in this world hasn't been body shamed at some stage, either a female or a male. It has happened to everyone, and it's not a nice thing. And you know, it's 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 just something that I think that maybe should be uh, should be um, changed in the program. There are a lot of good things in the program, and I talk about banishing the program or anything. The presenters are very good, and they do look after mental health, but it just comes across as a bit. Like anything, it's an entertainment show, and it can go too it can go too far to create entertainment. You know, indeed, indeed. I, I, and is it again from what you're saying, John? You just think that, given how difficult uh, this time has been for so many people, that we're all a bit more emotionally fragile, perhaps coming into this January than we we might have been in previous yeah, years. And, uh, any, any January is tough on any, most people, but in the last two years, this has been horrific. Um, because 12 months ago, we put up with uh, the crappy Christmas because we thought this this Christmas was going to be totally different. Uh, 2021's Christmas was going to be 
back to what we what we call normality. But um, as we've all witnessed, and as as we got closer to the Christmas, Christmas seemed to uh, just uh, disintegrate from the horizon. You know, the, the normal stuff just all fell away. You couldn't yeah. possibly do it. And then, like, I'm in my 50s. I, I, I have my wild nights and good long nights sent out in my time. But, like, there's the younger people as well, like, are, are, are suffering horrifically, which is as well, like, I mean, they're going around. I, I know myself, like, the, the, the announcement of the pubs being closed and all that um, at 8 o'clock. But, sure, like, it only pushed people out at 2 o'clock in the day. There's been from 2 o'clock until 8 o'clock or half 8 at night out in pubs and then they went to house parties. But like you can't really blame them because they're they're young people. They're they want to live their lives, um, and nothing is normal. So like that stress, that stress will have bounced on either over drinking, overeating, and um, like it's just it's just uh, some comfort that people try to latch onto. So uh, this Christmas uh, heading into January the New Year, I just think it'd be great to to have more of an uplifting um, thing to be looking forward to besides someone. And tell us all we're overweight. Should we up bloody well? No, we overeat. But sure, I mean, there's much more we could do. <laughs> oh, John, I'm sure a lot of people out there listening to this saying, you know, well done, John, because it is. I'm sure I wasn't the only one uh, coming into this January feeling. I don't know if I can take any lectures now about <laughs> about what I should be eating, what I should be walk, where I should be walking, uh, where I should be running. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I suppose there is the other side of it, though, because COVID. <laughs> has taught us, if it's taught us anything, that we need to think about our health because, you know, the healthier we are, if COVID comes to call, the better chance we have of, of having a mild dose. Well, that's okay. You look, there's not a lot about it. Like, I mean, the, the big thing is you don't have to run 5K, you don't have to run 10K, you don't have to do four marathons in six different countries every year. All you do is move. Just move. I mean, move as much as you possibly can. If you're eight years old, there's no point in thinking you're going to be running 10 kilometres three times a week. You just have to move as much as you possibly can. And like, I suppose we're all, we're all I'm, I'm a farmer myself and I put up sometimes in the springtime I can put up 35 and 40,000 steps walking in the, day, in the day. So, but like I, I would consume an amount of calories during that day. I would, and they want all the healthy calories I can tell you that's one thing for nothing. But like, t- there's, there's a message there that you must get on a bike, you must get running, you must go out hill walking. But sure, like, a small walk is better than sitting down for, for three hours watching um, something on Netflix or, or, or whatever television. Like, you can watch it, but go for a, a bit of exercise and, and and monitor the amount of boxes of whatever we want to mention, any company's name, sweets or you're consuming. Like, we all know, everyone, most people's brains tell them, hold on a minute, you're, you're after overstepping the, the line here, you should, you should, you should ease off and go tomorrow. But... In the last two years, that's, that's, that message in the brain is probably going, I should look hell, I can't go anywhere, I can't visit my aunts, I can't visit my uncles, I can't go out to the pub, I can't go out for a meal. Do you know what? So people are probably overeating it. But like, I, I just think if we had maybe some sort of a way, that is a program that would promote um, some form yeah, of exercise well, I- for people... Well, I suppose, I suppose you know, I, I, Operation Transformation does, and you said it yourself there, it does actually have that whole community uh, element to it where it does uh, try and get, you know, whole communities out walking with, with the leaders. Uh, yeah. And, you know, that is obviously a big part of what the programme is about. But will you, will you stay on the line there, John? I just want I to br- do, please, because I want to bring in um, Kate. Kate, good afternoon. Hi. 
would you, also listening to John there, Kate, where, where would you stand on this? Um, I would agree with him, really. And I suppose I've I watched the first couple of seasons of that programme and I felt really uncomfortable as well, especially with the scenes where they were coming out in their underwear. I felt, I, I just didn't feel that that would help anybody to lose weight. I felt it was exploitative. I know people agree to go on it, but at the end of the day, people are vulnerable. They really want to lose weight. And I would seriously doubt if it would actually help people to lose weight, there's probably much smaller changes people can make and with some health professionals helping them and I would feel that's probably the way to do it. I mean, it's probably great for TV, but I would be really doubtful if it would actually help people to lose weight. Now, I don't think they ever have any trouble getting people to take part in it. I mean, no. they, they, and there's obviously a huge, as, as we were saying, there are a lot of other people following those leaders. I mean, I think there's positive. No, there, nothing is black and white, right? So there are obviously some positive things and if it helps people maybe reach their goals and become more healthy. But I would just feel that the way it's done is not great. And I would agree that it makes me feel very uncomfortable when I see people standing there and they're, you know, they, they're not wearing many clothes and just, just all out there for everyone to see. And well, no, I'm we- not sure what the point of that is, apart from, you know, maybe TV. And, and I'm not commenting on the people themselves. It's more, I think it's for, for entertainment values. There obviously is a health benefit to it, maybe. But I would agree with the previous caller on it, really. Right. Um, I d- would you stay there, Kate? I've got Brenda yeah. on another line here. Brenda Cairns, good afternoon to you. Hello, good afternoon. I just sent in an email to your show just to uh, commend the gentleman who brought that topic up. I thought it was really, really valid. And so I wasn't expecting to get a call back from one of your researchers, but I said I'd just agree with the gentleman in question that it's an excellent programme. It is informative it's you know it's very positive but i think that that part of walking down the the little walkway that they have and standing up on the the scales there's no need for it the people can show that they've you know transformed their you know their habits but you don't need to see them in a you know a pair of leggings and shorts and you know a bra top or whatever i don't think it's well you know it's an, it's a step that the you know the experts might say well it's part of your body image and how you might see yourself and you know, being confident in your in your body shape. But, you know, everyone is different. And uh, I, I just think it is something that possibly as the producers of the show could reconsider to, you know, is there something else that maybe they could say, right, they went from a size 16 down to a size 14, or you've shown you've lost 13 inches or 12 inches or whatever it is. But I just think it's, um, it's just a part of the programme that I really like the programme. It's always interesting to watch it and see that how the people, you know, change and get the excellent advice from the experts but I've always thought jeepers tonight I would not do that in a sit and good luck to the people who have done it because I think it's exceptionally brave going on national television you know <laughs> you know in your in your um you know very whatever it is shorts and, and underwear or for the gentleman or whatever it is and I do um, I do so think Brenda like we Irish people are particularly iffy about, you know, showing ourselves, even if you go into any changing rooms, if you go swimming or anything like that, people are very, you know, dancing around with towels and, you know, as I said, <laughs> the dance of the nine towels. Uh, I, I think it's because you often see European people maybe a little bit more body confident than ourselves. I, I would agree. And, but that is not what they're, the, the essence of the show is to show weight loss and to show how they have transformed their, their body shape. But I don't think they need to show um, people who are very conscious of their bodies because of their, the fact that they're overweight um, 
and, you know, unhealthy and, you know, they might have large hips, large bellies, the tires around the waist, as we all have. You know, I don't, I just think as a, as a programme, it's just an element of the, of the actual TV programme that I've always found a little bit unnecessary that there's other ways that they could show that the, all the work that they're doing, the change in the habits, the change in the lifestyle, you know, I think there's other ways that they could they could do that. And when they do the reveals and they're dressed up and they look fabulous after the six weeks or whatever it is, um, uh, I think it's, it's a, there's an element of we're going to start and we're going to show you at what is, we're, we're publicly showing you um, as being unacceptable. Your body, as it is now, being two stone or three stone overweight is unacceptable. It's not nice. Therefore, we're going to highlight that. And I think that's, I think that's a very interesting yeah. psychological side to the programme. Um, I'm no expert, but I just, I've always felt that's a little bit uncomfortable. And I thought, good luck to the people that have done that. Because um, whether you're, you know, we're, we all might be overweight in some ways or underweight. But if, if you want to have a positive body image, you know, part of the positive body image is being confident and saying, right, OK, I might be a stone overweight. But you know what? I look grand and I'll get into the bikini or I'll get into the togs or put on the pair of shorts. And I shouldn't feel bad because I'm, I have the confidence to do that. What they're trying to do by highlighting, you know, by giving people, they're saying that we're going to increase your body confidence, but we're starting at a point where we're, we're publicly saying in a very open way, in a very open format on, on the TV as part of the, the programme, that we start, this is our starting position where you come out in a bra top and a pair of shorts. I just think it's interesting. It, it, I'm not the expert, I'm sure... The experts on the panel that they have behind the, the team, they, they would know, they would be able to argue why they do it, and I would respect their, their opinions, but I just think as a, as a programme, it's, it's not something that um, I'm comfortable watching. Um, but I think there's the whole idea do, do of Do you watch it, though, Brenda? Brenda, do you Sorry? watch it? Do you watch it? I do, I do watch it, yeah. Like, I, I, I think it's a very um, positive programme. Like, I think it's, it's really... It's, 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 it's informative, you know, it shows ordinary people doing the ordinary kind of, um, you know, things that everyone does, doing the shop and getting the kids out to school and juggling, you know, busy lifestyles, um, you know, and that's what, you know, getting a healthy attitude towards your body weight, your body image, that's all part of it. But do I think that they need to parade them up and down? I, I, I don't, but that's just a personal opinion. And as I said, I think the the um the the showmakers the producers they they might have very it'd be interesting to, to for maybe for somebody to come on and well, say Brenda, this is why we're doing it I have so actually Brenda stay, stay there because I've just been handed a statement from RTE <laughs> in relation to this uh, and uh, they tell us that for the past number of years each operation transformation leader has been given a choice of clothing for their individual health check-in now I didn't I didn't know that I have to say but that apparently they they were given a choice of clothing for that okay. that check-in I think that's the, that's where they get the weight weight um, done and then it says for Operation Transformation 2022 all the leaders will wear leisure stroke gym clothing which no. consists of t-shirts and shorts stroke leggings and running shoes so that sounds yeah, more yeah. covered up than, than what we might have seen before Well there, there we go as I said the, the producers probably they, they're the experts they, they know what's going on be, behind the scenes that is interesting and maybe that might encourage other people to maybe apply and say, right, okay, well, this year or next year, they might have their contestants 
or their candidates ready um, already. But um, that's interesting and good to see that um, maybe the the gentleman who brought up the issue earlier on, that maybe it is something that has been raised with them in the past, you know, and like any good producer, they say, right, OK, we'll listen to the people and we'll, we'll make the changes. Isn't that right? Uh, indeed. Uh, <laughs> Brenda, stay there, will you? I want to bring in Carmel. Carmel, uh, I think you called in before we got that statement. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. What, and, what was um, your view on it? My view is, first of all, I feel a bit of a fraud because I can't watch the programme particularly. I don't. I find it humiliating. But one of the things I find is that uh, Catherine is super gorgeous presenter, but she should not really be dressed up as she's going to a cocktail party or strictly or something. She's fabulous. But I think it's the contrast between the poor, unfortunate people who are desperately trying to lose weight and this gorgeous, glamorous bird who, with the high heels. I mean, I looked at it and I couldn't believe it. I, fa- I found it so... I would have thought Catherine would have been embarrassed that the contrast between her presentation and theirs was just so sad. That's all. Yeah, I suppose there is that idea. If, ev- if anybody has to take their clothes off, everybody should have their clothes yeah, off. Yeah, I think she could wear a glamorous tracksuit or something that is a bit more appropriate. Yeah. Um, to make, I mean, and to also to make these people feel a little more relaxed. I might, if I walked in looking six stone overweight and she was standing there all glammed up, I, I would be absolutely kind of, well, my God, I'm, I'm a mess, you know. I know, but I mean, Catherine obviously is gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous woman. And I think is very, I think everyone would say, is, again, is very, very good with all the, the participants she's in brilliant. the programme. She's brilliant. Yeah. But I think the, the director, the producer should tone it down a bit. Um, she's not at a cocktail party. She's dealing with people who are terribly overweight. She doesn't need to look that fantastic. Sorry, Catherine. But uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, Catherine, it's, could you just look a little less fantastic, yeah. please, <laughs> for the rest of us? I don't think it's Catherine. It's the makeup <laughs> people. It's the people who are producing it that are making her look this super glam person. These people are struggling really badly. And I think that it would be nice if they, she just toned it down a bit. OK, Can I? Uh, thanks for that, Carmel. That's not a, uh, it's not a problem. It's <laughs> lovely to talk to you. Brilliant programme. Lovely to talk to you, Carmel. Take care. Uh, can I go back to Lisa? Lisa, uh, you, you heard there that uh, there has been a change, obviously, in relation to what uh, leaders are going to be wearing this year in the programme. Uh, they're going to be wearing um, T-shirts and shorts and leggings and, and running shoes. So is that will that make a difference, do you think? Hi, Katie. Yeah, I think it will make a big difference. Um, I just, I, I watched it years ago. Uh, I, I haven't watched it in a long, long time. But that part of it um, made me very, very uncomfortable. Um, I think there's, you know, to uh, that, that gentleman who, who you're speaking to, John, spoke so eloquently, he was so well-informed and made so many really, really good points. Um, publicly shaming somebody... Um, is not the way to go when they need help of any description. Um, I think that the scaled aspect of things needs to be dumped. To be honest with you, um, yeah, to take that element out altogether that you're 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 fighting for your pounds every week. Exactly because um, I mean weight issues, whether someone's underweight or overweight, it, they're not just that way because you know because they choose to be. There's always uh, an element of. You know, there's some there's, there's a reason why someone is maybe eating too much or depriving themselves of food. So, you know, just, just getting to the catalyst of the problem as I, well. I, I think, to be fair, Lisa, there there is um, is it is it's Eddie Murphy is is uh, the person on the program there that advises leaders about you know those kind of issues, motivation and 
mental health issues and all of that. So I, I, to be fair to them, I think they do a touch they on that in the that. programme. Right. Well, as I say, I haven't watched it in quite a time. Um, but I do still think, Katie, that I don't think a weighing scale has a place on the show. I really, really don't. I think it's so humiliating. And, I mean, what choice have people got when they're desperate to lose weight? You know, people, any of us, when we're in a situation where we're not happy in ourselves, you you will latch on to anything with hope. And even if it means kind of being publicly hum, humiliated, you'll go along with it. You know, you, you'll, you'll sign on the dotted line to, to get the help that you really, really crave. Um, and if they could just do it uh, without, you know, flagging just the, the, the big focus on the way in. Um, and as that Lady Karma was saying as well, due to her aspect of it with the glamour, um, you know, it's one or nothing. Do you know what I mean? I think, yeah, you know, tone it down all around and let's all wear tracksuits, do you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, Lisa, thank <laughs> Thank you for for uh, for that. I, I want to bring in Patricia because Patricia, you are a fan of Operation Transformation. Yeah, yeah, and I believe in going for anything that's going to make you feel good. And I don't. I I mean, I'm on the different spectrum. I I don't eat properly. I do it for my figure. I did gets out of hand, and you end up with a form of anorexia. Of course, you do, but you do not need people saying to you, "Oh." I was I was telling your the, the lads there that I was um, in a queue for my injection for my COVID, and this man said you need you need an injectionist too, not you know like random comments to people. Sorry, do, you're sorry, you're saying that total strangers yes, make random comments come, to you yes. about your underweight. Oh yes, and I have a hair and beauty business here, and I remember one day somebody saying to one of my girls, "You're obese," and I said, "How dare you!" Like, I wouldn't go up to somebody smoking and say, they're going to kill you. They're going to whatever. If you want to, you know, get better, look after yourself or whatever, number one, you don't care what people think. Okay, I go to a super girl now and again who does, she's a dietitian, and she put me on the right road or whatever. I don't care what people think if I want to feed well. And if these people are overbeast, are... Um, obese or whatever they shouldn't care how they look or whatever it's to feel good and when they feel good about themselves when they've you know managed and they're back to you know help yeah. it's lovely to know you have support out there not somebody coming up to you saying you, you know oh my god you look uh, uh, yes Patricia am I right no, you're saying that you you because of dieting and, and watching what you're eating yeah. and that that you you actually kind of tipped into an eating disorder oh, situation absolutely Right. Of course you do. It's like runners, you know, during the COVID, people running up and down. You get sore knees, you get whatever. Yes, you do. And like, and you're I still like struggling people. with that to some degree? I do, yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. And I, it's lovely to have somebody support you. You don't need somebody, but I don't care what people say to me as long as I feel well again. OK, but I'm just, I'm interested now, though, coming at it from your position. And we've got yeah. this television programme, which is you know, basically watching pounds fall off people week by week or, yeah, you know, cheer, yeah. cheering them on if they manage to lose and not. Yeah. And you, 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 you're a big fan of that? Well, you know what? They're doing what they need to do. I'm doing what I need to do. So I, I encourage people. I have girls coming in here saying, look at the side. Look at the, and I'd say, 
Are you happy? Is your heart okay? You know, and that's it. You don't look at the size of anybody. You don't look at the religion of anybody. You don't look. If these people want to lose weight, it's of the opposite. I'm on the same scale as them, only it's a different direction, you know. But um, no, I, I, I encourage everybody that's trying to do something to help themselves. So no is, it, is, it it the, is. is it the supportive element of the show that, that you're, you know, that appeals to you then? It's just somebody standing up there and crying for help and getting it. You know, not crying for help, I shouldn't say that, but it's somebody wanting to help themselves and don't like the way they look or whatever and for their health or for anything else. It's good. I encourage anything. I look, you know, smokers on the telly who are trying to get off. You know, and I encourage people. I don't put them down and say, oh, God, you know, look at the size of you. You get it constantly. Got your very thin, you look awful, you know, or like people are beginning to notice you look so bad or like... God, I can't... You, are people, do people actually just yeah. say that? <laughs> that yeah. is just unbelievably and I heard them saying, rude. I have a friend who's a nurse and people are constantly saying to her, when is the baby due? Because she has a bit of weight on. Now, she doesn't come into me nearly really upset and I'd say, you know, like she's she's fifty, and I said that's a great compliment. You just still think you're having babies, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you tradition. work on it, yeah, God, you work it, on it that way. Listen, talking about New Year's resolutions, could we all not decide right now to make one yeah. New Year's resolution? Do not comment on somebody else's appearance. Well, this is, yeah, yeah, entirely, yes, absolutely. And if you're happy with what you're doing, what you're doing, you do it. And that's it. Patricia, thank you so much. Will you stay there? I want to bring in somebody else who uh, I think also enjoys Operation Transformation. Uh, Kathleen, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. Uh, you you also think there's nothing wrong at all with Operation Transformation. No, I enjoy the show and I just really want to make a quick comment. I mean, if you sign up for the show, you know what the rules are. And I mean, what's wrong with going out and going up on the scales, and every week then you lose, and surely you're happy with that. So I think if you sign up, you know what you're going for, and the people that are giving out should leave the show alone. You know, I mean, it's, it's a great show. How many people has it helped over the years? Yeah, I mean, that whole idea of, of encouraging a sort of a national movement to get off the sofa and get out. Yeah, yeah, and you can see it every... I travel quite a bit, and I can see on a Wednesday people out walking, running. You know, I mean, it's a wonderful show. But th- that that bit of it, though, that, that clearly has made a lot of people uncomfortable. And obviously it's something that the producers uh, took into account because they're, they're making that change now. That idea of oh, people coming out. I didn't know that. Well, they, they're telling us that this year, for that bit where the, they come out and stand on the weighing scales, that yeah. um, the leaders this year will wear leisure uh, clothing, gym clothing, with uh, which would be T-shirts, and shorts and leggings. So they'd be wearing T-shirts this year, which... Yeah, they're not showing the midriff. They're not showing the midriff, which I think is the yeah. bit that everyone uh, might be uh, a little bit, uh, you know, self-conscious about. Yeah. Did well, you ever feel like, because I must say, having watched it myself, that is something that, you know, you kind of feel is, is, is that, that's a lot, that's a big exposure for those, for those contestants, yeah. those yeah, participants. I suppose so, yeah. But uh, as I say, and you're signing up, you kind of know that that's part of it. But if they've changed it, well and good, you know. It'll, yeah. um, but it it'll never bothered you anyway, better. Kathleen? 
no, not really. <laughs> I probably wouldn't fancy doing it myself, but at the same time, you know, when you're when you're so keen to lose weight and, you know, you probably would do anything, you know. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. That that might be yeah, that might be one of our problems, of, mind you. Yeah. Uh Kathleen, thank you for that. I want to bring in Daniel. Uh Daniel, good afternoon. Good afternoon, how are you? Uh you're calling me from the West? Ma- yeah, from Mayo, yeah, all the way. <laughs> all the way. So, what do you think about OpTrans, Daniel? Uh, I think that, first of all, I'd be happy to see it be decommissioned and taken off the air totally. But failing that, what I would like to see is to, to, for the focus to move away from weight. I think currently the show is still, again, too focused on weight. And I know, as you said there on, on this show, that, you know, the producers are t- moving away from, you know, the particular clothes that they're wearing and stuff like that. But in my view, the damage is done. The seeds are sown. There's, the, the show has been has aired for years. And particularly in the early 2000s, when it initially, early 2010s, when it was initially kind of started airing, there was a lot of damaging comments made by the judges and the experts to people. And I know people can say that it's edited in a certain way and it's done in a certain way, but as the viewer, we don't see behind the scenes. We only see what's displayed on the screen. Mm-hmm. Again, all we're doing is putting weight as the metric of someone's success, when I don't think that should be the, 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 the case at all. I think that... I think the sense of community that it brings and I, sense, I think the sense of, you know, allowing people, showing people healthy movement and stuff like that is, is always wonderful. But again, by bringing people out and standing them on the weighing scales and saying, sending them these targets, you have to lose weight, this amount of weight this week, you have to lose this amount of weight this week, is just very damaging for the viewer and particularly for viewers that are more vulnerable and susceptible to eating disorders. I myself have a, a history of eating disorders and diet shows, not just diet shows like Operation Transformation, but other ones have definitely contributed to that. Uh, Daniel, are, people might know you then. Were you, were you, you were in that uh, programme about male eating disorders. I was, yes, yes. Which I was incredibly, on that in November. incredibly strong programme, I have to say. And I have to, con- I've just realised who you are now as you're talking. Thank you. A, a hugely, hugely impressive um, what, what you did on that programme, what you showed mm. on that programme. Because, yeah. I mean, you were obviously, it's, you know, you had to make yourselves quite vulnerable to, to yeah. tell your stories. Absolutely. But it was so powerful. Well, and it is, and I, I think that, that what I find probably the most upsetting about Operation Transformation airing so soon after that is that one of the, the clinical lead for eating disorders, um, Dr. Clifford, she had said on that that 85% of people with eating disorders aren't even under aren't even underweight. They're either normal weight, overweight, even you know obese and stuff. So. I think that Operation Transformation, because we see, uh, you know, what, what's regarded as an overweight person on the screen, we don't take into account that that person could have an eating disorder just as anyone could. Um, so again, it just I just think it's it's just a damaging show um, for that. I think that it's very outdated. It, very rarely will you see new shows like that popping up even in the United Kingdom because we're realising now that weight is not a metric of success and losing weight is not a metric of success. I think that it's so important. There's so much other more important things about a person than their weight. I know and I mean I'm not a spokesperson for the show or anything Daniel I'm just yeah. putting being the devil's advocate here putting the opposite point of view but I yeah. know that if there was a producer from that show here they would be pointing out that yeah. there is a big emphasis on health rather than uh, numbers of weight and they would say as well that obviously a big emphasis on mental health in relation to what's happening on the programme. Well, no, as I said, like, I, I think that, that the encouraging people to move their bodies and do stuff like that, I always think that that's a very, a very healthy thing. I mean, everyone, it's great for everyone to get some form of daily exercise, no matter what it is. And that, again, has huge mental benefits, and that's a wonderful thing. But, again, by, if, if the show was so, solely focused on 
someone's mental well-being and stuff and, and things like that, then there's still then there is no need to bring someone out and put them on a weighing scales because a person's weight isn't an indicator of, of the state of their mental health or their mental well-being. I mean, if you look at other shows, you know, similar shows like... Um, there's that show on Netflix called Queer Eye and stuff like that that is about promoting lifestyle changes and encouraging healthy habits for people. But again, it's not bringing them out in, and I know they're not wearing Lycra and stuff anymore, but it's not bringing them out in Lycra and standing them on a the scale and then totally debasing them, as has happened on the show previously. I'm not saying it, it, has, it, 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 it probably is, is unlikely to happen in, in this year's series, but in previous years, by debasing people for not hitting certain weight loss targets, it's just really, it's really humiliating. And, and looking back at clips now of it, and again, this wasn't million years ago this was six seven years ago but looking back in clips now it's really disturbing to see people being spoken to in that way and even if it is edited in that way it's still very disturbing especially for someone as i said with that particular vulnerability for an eating disorder it's very disturbing because it makes you look at that and think it reinforces in in the mind of a person and reinforced in my mind for example that oh i i'm not losing this amount of weight a day this amount of weight a week therefore i am not good enough and therefore i should feel humiliated and while it may not be the intention of the show that is that is unfortunately one of the consequences that needs to be acknowledged and even if the show even if the show i think even a good step would be for the show or something to feature some sort of trigger warning or something for people with with vulnerabilities to at least acknowledge that people some people watching could have these vulnerabilities okay Okay, da- how are you now yourself, uh, Daniel? Um, since, since yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, busy, busy in the new year now. But no, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot better, which okay. is, which is good. Great to hear. Uh, great to hear from you, Daniel. Thank you for that. Uh, we will uh, take a break. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Or text to 51551. Now, I want to go to something that is on a lot of people's minds this week, which is, of course, whether or not schools will open their doors for students on Thursday, uh, as had been planned. Um, Everyone in the government still saying, yep, that's the plan. That's what we're doing. Uh, But we're hearing from teachers unions uh, today. Uh, They're talking to the minister today and we're hearing that they have their concerns about what might happen if we do go back en masse on Thursday um, and indeed if there will be teachers available to teach students if uh, everybody is back in the classrooms. Uh, I want to bring in Margaret now. Margaret, good afternoon. Hi Katie, how are you? You were a school principal, Margaret. Correct, yeah, in the south of the country, yeah. In uh, second level? Yeah. So what's your view on this? Should we uh, just plough ahead and open up as planned on Thursday? Okay, well, first of all, I'd just say on a practical level, that'd be like saying, go out the door and don't bother with any masks and don't bother getting vaccinated. You know, plough ahead is not an appropriate measure to do. So I genuinely think everybody, principals, teachers, unions, would like to have the schools open, but to do so, they should be open safely and workable. And that's for everybody. Otherwise, we'll hobble along and it'll be more in, more out, you know, it, it'll be problematic all the time. A pragmatic approach, I do believe, should have been taken prior to Christmas, where the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday should have had a circuit breaker there. It would go back to the responsibility of parents and families to do the right thing and to keep themselves. That's what we said to our students going away. You be the ones to stand up and say, my friends are not coming into the house at Christmas because... You know, so we talk pragmatically to our students because at the end of the day, it comes back to the mental health and welfare for everyone. And I'm talking about because the principal has to take that view across the board. But presently, in relation to what should be done for this week, 
Uh, can can I just, right? sorry, yeah. Mark, just ask you, I mean, obviously you won't know what's, what the situation on Thursday is going to be yet today, but I, have you well, a sense of, okay, so we how are you for first, staff in that? Well, bird's eye view, just from my own school, we have um, caretaker out, secretary out, uh, with unknown dates for return because um, they can't get PCR tests yet. And when that happens, then their date of return will go from there. Um, 30% of staff are rising because of close contact. Now, you could say that would be five days. So that being the case, it makes sense. And I'm not one odd. I mean, as we have, you know, organisations. I'm a member of one of the National Principals and Deputy Principals Associations, so our colleagues would keep in touch with each other. And we're always looking for pragmatic solutions. And so if Thursday, Friday, to me, would seem like... Um, it should not be in school. We can go on Google Classroom. We've shown it's worked, effect- worked effectively. It's not easy. It's not easy for the students. It's certainly not easy for teachers. The parents are at home because in a lot of cases, you know, and so everybody at work. It's not the easiest solution, but it is a solution to give another a small circuit break. So we get our work done. We're not saying we don't want to be working quite the opposite because particularly at second level, and I know principals, you know, friends in primary would say the same. We have a curriculum to cover. Parents get stressed, students most particularly. In secondary school, you've you've got junior cycle and senior cycle. And it all builds up to huge tension when decisions like this are left late. And I believe it's late talking about this for Thursday, Friday, because parents uh, need to organise how they manage that at home if it's to be teachers need to get themselves geared up to, to working online. Our, our preference is to be face-to-face. It's wonderful to have our students in, wonderful to have the teachers there. Great that the parents, but, you know, come and drop and do everything. But, you know, be pragmatic about it. And when decisions like this are needed, Monday at the latest should have been for Thursday. In fact, I would have been, I'm not minister, but, um, you know, Friday I would have been out there and just talking about it. Just, yeah. Margaret, just in relation to that then though, so you say, okay, if we just give ourselves the extra couple of days this week, um, you know, you say, what, 30% of your staff are out anyway and you've, you know, you don't know where you're going to be. But what if you have 40% of your staff out on Monday? Uh, it, you know, is that the then another... Though, because of the extra days and if it's close contacts you're dealing with, it depends on the circumstance. If it's full-blown COVID, it's one thing. But, you know, the vast majority are not that, they're close contacts. And where they are COVID, you have to deal with that on a daily basis anyway. We were dealing with it prior to Christmas. But I just think, it, you know, it needs to be listened to now. The numbers are huge. And, uh, you know, Neffet, I heard um, Tony Holland speaking, and he was obviously very well guided in relation to Tony speaking from a medical point of view and not giving government advice. But it just needs to be a bit pragmatic. We all work together. Everyone, If everyone just worked together on it and cut our contacts, do as they ask us to do. And yet at the same time, we're working away Thursday, Friday, because we can do that. As I said, it's not easy for anyone, um, but it can be done. And so do it collectively. You know, people are going back on buses and all the rest of it. Nightmare stuff. You know, so and it cuts down on the stress. Take that out of it. Make the decision. Instead of having to get the unions exercised, the teachers, you know, they are tired as well. And I know you've just had, we've just had holidays, but it's like those in, in the health service as well. They've been going 24-7. So understand, I think it needs to be understood what's been asked. And then, you know, um, teachers also have children and they're going to school. So, you know, for people, you know, to have lots of different views, but for, for people who don't want their children wearing masks, 
maybe they're happy to have their children being taught online. You know, that's, a, that's another issue at primary level. I'm glad at secondary level we don't have that issue. And the children wear masks, you know, so it makes it a bit safer. Can I, can so I, I think, in relation yeah. to those mitigation measures, Margaret, did yeah. you, I mean, what is the story with HEPA filters? And, and we were told that principals could source these HEPA filters over the Christmas break and they would come out of the that uh, Schools Works uh, grant. Yes. Did you do that or has that been done? Well, we had two in prior to Christmas and uh, an awful lot of research needs to be done into them. They, they vary in price hugely. They vary in what they can do. If you get a HEPA filter that has a, a filter, forget the science bit for a second, you, you, you trust that's going to be correct, but paper won't refuse ink. The ultimate question and the acid test needs to be asked of those are these 100% workable and are they safe? You still have to keep on masks. In instances then where, you, where you, people are very uncomfortable in relation to it, where windows need to be kept open. So they, what are they there for then? What are they going to be doing? Are they going to just reduce yet again? You know, it's like when the um, CO2, and not, I'm not ungrateful, please don't, and that I mean, I'm grateful for every measure that would come in that would help. But the research should be done at a top level within We've got the health department, education department, both of those work together. And instead of that now, in the height of holidays, the first holiday that I wouldn't be unusual now, that, that I've got in three years. I haven't had that. That's just me, because we had to rebuild the school and get extra classrooms and all the rest of it over the last two summers. But, you know, at the height of a holiday, I, I can, I'm looking at now trying to get a, a boiler fixed in the height of the cold, but maybe not be able to get those parts. So you're looking at filters, and I had looked at them before Christmas, as I say. So you've got this situation of buying them. There's the cost of them. Will they actually work? And uh, who's going to put the, you know, 100% uh, uh, quality mark on that? And principals will only want the best in for their staff. Okay, so what, um, am I, what I'm hearing and is that... the you... others that are not HEPA filters, where they're, where they're better again, and you don't need to change a filter. But at that still, you would need to wear a mask and windows may need to be kept open. Okay, but, but so, am I right, Margaret, in saying that you, you, you're still doing the research on this and that you haven't had but, a chance to, to, to... But Katie, think about it. Who should be doing that research? I'm not a scientist and I'd have to refer to all of that and I will, I'll do that with my science teachers. But at the end of the day, come into us with... That's not my job. Come into us with... I've got lots. I have a full-time job as it is, trying to manage very difficult moving parts all the time but over Christmas holidays, when places weren't open, we couldn't even get our organisations because, you know, people were supposed to be on holidays, and they are, but you couldn't get anything. Oh, nothing was open to ask. Uh, so before I put between nine and €1,300 Euro per unit into a unit, I'd like to know that it's definitely going to work and that the unions uh, and staff are happy with it and that parents and, and the children will be happy too. You know, oh. it has to cover more ground sure. than just say, just throw a filter in there. That's not good enough. Sure. Not with the, not with the news it, that's killing people. Yeah, so that, that's what I'm saying. Is that, is that yeah. if people think that over the Christmas break, everyone was able to run off and buy HEPA filters right. and all the classrooms are full of HEPA filters now, that wouldn't be a realistic situation, Margaret. 100%. Yeah, but I also think we need help with that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're administrators, fine, but I'm not a scientific one. And there's a lot of talk. Why do you have a, a lead worker representative in the school? Because and why do you have unions? They're all there for a reason. So, and also, I'd like to be comfortable knowing that, you know, the government mark means something to me. The heart means that there's a standard and recognition of work and, and, you know, a level of competence. And I'd like that coming in my door to say, 
you know, we have we have researched this and this is what we find. So choose any one of ten. They're not then saying go to a particular company, even though government procurement would allow them to say that because they're trying to get the best value when they have those processes, which yeah. we all, as you know, um, RT included, as well as schools, all have to abide by. So there are so many regulations as well. You know, don't bore you and your and your. Uh, you know your uh, listeners but there's a lot more to it than just throw out a bit of money and say because you could end up with the wrong thing Okay, you know, Mar- Mar- Margaret, will you stay with us for a moment Margaret I have to take a very quick break but I would like you to hang okay. on because we're getting more calls in on this thank you sure talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 talk to Joe on 0818 715 815 and you're welcome back. Now, I'm going to hang on to Margaret, who our school principal there. If you can hang on with us, Margaret, for a minute, because I want to bring in Karen. Karen, good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for taking the call. Um, there was so much there that that principal said. I don't know, but the very last thing that she did say was, it's not her job. I mean, I'd like to say it's not my job as a parent either to be a school teacher. Um, well, sorry, sorry Karen, just to be Fair to Margaret now, she said it wasn't her job to under, you know, to be sourcing and deciding what the best HEPA filter was for, for Absolutely. the school. Absolutely, yeah. but I mean, at this point, we're all in a crisis pandemic and there's a certain amount of, she is the word pragmatic, you know, and it has to be 100%. Nothing is 100%, you know, why not take a chance on getting a good enough HEPA filter? Or how about considering that, you know, not everybody's at home with two parents and all the technology they need and all the time and the conditions to educate their children. We're not educators. And I'm a parent of a child with additional needs and a neurotypical child. My additional needs child cannot do online training. He's six years on a waiting list. He was referred when he was one and a half. He's severely not autistic. He's nonverbal. He's in a preschool attached to mainstream. If that school doesn't open, the preschool doesn't open. It is the only service he gets. I'm not a speech therapist. I'm not an occupational therapist. I'm not a school teacher. I'm a parent. I used to be an IT professional. I can't work because of all these closures. I couldn't work even with my autistic child. My nine-year-old, who's not autistic, we don't have family or relatives or neighbours that he can socialise with, and he's not socialising, and we haven't done all over Christmas to ensure that we can go back. He's only source of friendships are at school. He's only source of learning from an educational point of view is at school. You know, these are essential to my children. Karen, how did he manage last year when there was, you know, that very long school closure after Christmas last year? Okay, so because he doesn't have speech therapists or an occupational therapist, he hasn't made any progress with his speech. He lost seven teeth, um, five crowns and two fillings due to poor eating and poor brushing which because we didn't have an occupational therapist to help us. Due to his poor nutrition, he broke his leg jumping on a trampoline, which he does for hours on end to try and regulate himself. Sometimes I'm out there at five o'clock in the morning in my dressing gown, jumping up and down in the freezing cold with him because that's his source of regulation. And basically he just spent, I think it was, he was 10 weeks in school out of 48, you know, which is 50 days. It absolutely devastated his any progress and you know at this point everybody's exhausted you know I could be classed as a frontline worker I'm trying to keep four of us alive you know surviving through all of this 
without any support and a school that he attends. There's only six of them in the class. You know, it would be very, not very easy, I'm sorry, I know none of this is easy for anybody, but there are ways to manage six children in a class and keep that class open. Um, can I, I, Margaret, are you still with us? Most definitely, yeah. A lot, I think a lot of parents, and I know we're talking about two, you know, as primary as opposed to secondary and uh, different services there, but... A lot of parents will will be in the same headspace as Karen is there, that they just can't contemplate hearing the words the school isn't opening on on Thursday. Yeah, and you know, Casey, when, when we discussed this, we were asking what's the immediate and pragmatic, and it's, we were talking about two days, Thursday, Friday. This isn't long term. We were looking at it as a circuit break and things like that. Because the alternative then that you have, and I completely, you know, empathise with the circumstance of your last caller. I mean... Everybody would understand that. And there are teachers that are in the same circumstance and it's a nightmare for them to try and teach online when they're at home. I did say, and, you know, try and understand that, that that is clear. It's extremely difficult, but it's an immediate response, not the long term. So, you know, um, if that's not taken, I can just see a more, how would you put it, pocket scenario whereby... You know, at second level prior to Christmas, it wasn't much. Um, people were just hobbling to the holidays. As I say, we talk amongst colleagues. And what happened was that a number of local schools beside us, year groups were being sent home. And that then gave the opportunity, because in the secondary school, it's slightly different in a primary. You know, the students would have up to nine classes with nine different teachers. And if there are people out, you don't have enough, you know, what percentage of your population is out, you don't have enough to cover the rest, and that was even where people were giving, having done their full day, you know, their numbers classes, they were covering the rest as well for us. And so we hobbled to the holidays. But as I say, it had got to the point where in neighbouring schools, your groups were being sent home. And that's more more difficult, I think, because then parents don't know when that's going to happen, because it was when they found out, you know, where if you have some sort of understanding situation whereby look at the numbers, look at what's practical, Look at the teachers that, um, for, the, for that lady, the last speaker, there are specific teachers in a school that need to be there for um, those specific, uh, you know, circumstances that her son would need. And so for that, you can't just take in any sub because that upsets that even more. So you have to be very careful. Plus also people need to regard the letter. There are so many complications. And the two days were just a short-term thing, most definitely not long-term. And as I did say, face-to-face is better. Face-to-face is better for everybody. We all understand that. Karen, sorry. I mean, what difference is two days going to make? And, you know, we're all connected here. Everybody's connected. So, uh-huh. I mean, my husband works. If he had to stay at home, then he, a service that he provides wouldn't be provided to somebody else who then couldn't go to work. You know, two days, you hobbled up to Christmas. Where's the preparation from the teachers? You're talking about the government doing preparation. Before Christmas, people were saying, I hope the schools don't open. What was put in place by the teachers to say, if scenario A happens, we'll do this. If scenario B, where's the planning? Where the planning is, is we... Am I able to speak, Casey? Yeah, go ahead. Um, You know, at a pragmatic level, we could see that this may be the case. So we actually did, and individual schools did put on uh, a timetable that we look at. And that's a whole other structure that you have to put in place. As they say, everyone thinks that at primary level, we have one teacher in front of a group of students. In second level, it's much more complex. So you'd have to have 
an online timetable that would work or whatever if it happened to go online, depending on the numbers of people you've out, because there are regulations that we have to follow and there are insurance implications to everything. So if it was one thing, if it was one simple thing, the government would do it. But it's not. It's because it's complex. So we're trying to manage situations that are complex across the board and for everybody. Like, it, it might, I have a remit for students, staff and parents. Mental health and welfare of all curriculum is being covered. As I say, it, oh, I can see the gaps. We can see it. We discussed it at our Christmas academic report meetings with the staff. There, just Of course there are gaps. But it's a world pandemic. The solution is to close the schools. I mean, that's not planning. That's, that's close the schools and then spend those two days making another plan, which would be to maybe extend it. I mean, last year, they didn't open after Christmas and we didn't get the children back until almost Easter. Yeah, look, I'm not the minister. I'm only just asked a question. I yes, but you're to contributing to the you're contributing to the AFTI recommendations and what you think you should do. So if every principal like yourself said, "Oh, let's do a circuit breaker," and I mean, is that just a buzzword? What does that mean statistically? What circuit are we breaking by two days? You know, yeah, I hadn't heard, I hadn't the children the need to get back to school. Yes, and we want to teach, but you have to be able to do so safely and with the staff that you need to do it. And that's what I was trying to say. We actually I'm don't not too have sure that. There's, a, there's a definition of safety out there anymore. I mean, this, you know, people are showing up and working in guns, truck drivers, insurance people. You know, I know a teacher who got a hairdresser into her house over Christmas. I mean, it's one thing that you can say on a forum, oh, it's not safe in the children, but you can get a hairdresser into your house who has probably gone to 20 other houses and, you know, is talking to the person. You know, and that's one situation, and you're one principal and I'm one parent, um, Mm. and nobody is doing everything perfectly, and at the end of the day, we have to look after the children, the parents, the medics, the teachers, and the impact on their mental health, their physical health, my own child's, you know, teeth missing, broken legs, no mm. speech, and even in his school, his teacher is wearing a mask. Even that is still helping him. I mean, he it's, it's hard to explain, and this isn't just Christmas. This has been going on for two years um, yeah. since they started, almost two years ago. And for me and other additional parents, this has been going on. He, my child is nearly five. I'm four years battling services. I constantly have to battle and advocate for my child. And two years into the pandemic... You know, we have to send the children to school and we can make it safe. And you mentioned the HEPA filters, the sanitizer. Mm. We've got all of the things in place. What more do you want? A circuit breaker for two days and then go back to exactly where we are today? Nothing is going to change safety-wise in two days. Okay. No, but my staff thing would, and that makes it safer for the children, okay. and we would continue the curriculum. There's no one size will fit all. We have to pick the best. You know, okay. Whatever oh. the best okay. I'm sorry, Karen, if you stay yeah. there, I just need to take another quick break, but we'll stick with this subject after these. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And we are talking about whether or not schools should open on Thursday as uh, originally planned. I want to bring in Dermot Donaghy now. Good afternoon, Dermot. Hi, Katie. How are you? Yeah, you you also are a parent of a child with with uh, extra additional needs. 
Well, yeah, and it's, it, I'm watching it there online the last couple of days, the argument between parents and should they go back to school and teachers, these teachers, that. Like, as a country, every one of us is stuck between the rock and the hard place. Like, from the politician side, the silence is deafening. We should have had answers before now. We we all knew what was coming down the track with Christmas opening and what was going to happen with schools reopening in January, like last year. Like, from our situation, our child, after five different assessments over seven years, was finally diagnosed as high-functioning autism in September last. But last September, Christmas, Easter, and September again just gone, two weeks after he returns to school because of his underlying asthma, he, after two weeks, he develops chest infection from wearing the mask. Now, we had to literally fight with the GP before Christmas to get a letter. They said they don't give out letters for children to wear, not to have to wear a mask in class, even though he is diagnosed as having autism. After two weeks, then he goes back to school and he's back a few days. The cough starts again. He's another few days off. He has suffered so much interruption since, since the COVID kicked in that like, homeschooling did work for him. But the only help he's receiving because the services literally are non-existence and have been for the last seven, eight years while he's needed and haven't been there. The only help he's getting is in school. And we, we were hoping the schools reopen, but we know for a fact that when he goes back on Thursday, that in two weeks' time, we're looking at the very same thing again, where he's going to come down with a cough, more antibiotics. Like, we're between the rock and the hard place, but... It's the politicians that, for me, that haven't stepped up to the mark when they've needed. Like, we're not just dealing with a national emergency, it's a global emergency. This is where leaders stand up. And what do you think the politicians should have done then, Dermot? Well, I mean, it's not like they're paid, they're getting a bit more than the PUP payments. Like, even coming up to Christmas, we knew what was coming down the track. This is where... Christmas holidays for this year should have been foregone, forget about them. We knew what we were going to be facing in January as as a country as a whole. Even if they had released money, we we know there's money there and, you know, it it doesn't grow on trees, but for the schools to be more prepared, not to be coming out now, we're going to get some sort of an announcement tonight and then Thursday, Friday. Schools are due back on Thursday. That's what... Part 48, 72 hours away. Surely they could have given us some answers by now or put something in place by now. Like I feel for the schools, but I more so feel for the parents. Like we're all between the rock and the hard place. We're all together. Knows yeah. what they could have done, but they could have done more for the schools. You, yeah, well, I think Margaret will agree with you there in terms of the support for the, the mitigation measures that they're expected to put in place. But Dermot, you're, you're, you really are between a rock and a hard place there, as you say. Like, uh, you, you can't you, you can't win either way. I'm, I'm just surprised what you said about the mask and, and, and the asthma. Are you, mm. are you saying that this is something that only this asthma issue only blew up uh, and the cough that comes with it only blew up since he started wearing a mask or has he always, would he always, you know, in school environment, maybe be vulnerable to, to coughs and, and that sort well, of thing. Well, he wears, he, sorry, he uses a preventer inhaler every day uh, in the morning and in the evening. 
and it's this new inhaler that came out a couple of years ago once he takes the puffs of it in the morning the puffs of it in the evening it kind of puts the, the asthma in the background He's, he, he copes with that mm-hmm. but after two weeks of insurance you see when you're dealing with a child with autism there's a million things happening at the one time as any parent of an autistic child or a special needs child can tell you that he doesn't want to stand out from the crowd he wants to be the same as everyone else it, 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 his mental health it, it triggers his anxiety issues if he's t- to do something different it's like even if we want to plan something for a month's time he's been told about it for the whole month beforehand to build them up to it it's, it's one thing me showing him a bit of paper say, from the GP to the school saying that's because of his underlying asthma and we've been through four bouts of it now it's September, Christmas, Easter and September just gone and now we know we're going for it to be heading in two weeks time for number five again he doesn't want to wear the visor even though he now has permission to do it mm-hmm. and because of the the, the, the underlying with, with, his, um, with his autism he won't wear the visor even though he's allowed to do it because he will be different to everyone else mm-hmm. I just wonder, would you not be concerned that that he would maybe be better off with a mask one way or another if he has an underlying condition like asthma as well? He he is better off with the mask. I mean, like none of us will go in anywhere without wearing the mask and we'll follow the, the guidelines to that. But the mind of an autistic child is a different mind altogether. You're not just... Whereas I can say, yeah, no problem, I've no problem wearing the mask or his mother or his brother or, you know, it, it, most people. But to him, it's it's a ton of bricks to him to be different to everyone else. As in, I'm, no, I'd like special treatments. Mm-hmm. He know. doesn't want, you know, he's not, his mind doesn't let him accept to be the, being the allowed to do something out, different. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and yeah. we know, we know, Taurus that comes give it a couple of weeks again and here we go again now but we're hoping he goes back to school because it is the only help he receives in school from the special needs coordinator the SNA in the class and that and organising everything to do with school for him but I mean the rock in the hard place is putting it mildly Yeah it definitely is in your case Dermot uh, I'm told I have to take another break uh, but thank you thank you for that that's Dermot Donny there talking about his son Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And no doubt we'll be back talking about schools again before this week is out. But I want to go back now to that uh, topic that kicked off our programme for us today, Operation Transformation, and that idea of asking people to, uh, as the, the the language that was used by some of our callers today parade themselves and you know have their weight uh, announced in front of the nation and whether or not that was a good way uh, to promote you know body con- confidence and all of that and I want to go to Andrew Barkhannon now Good afternoon Andrew Good afternoon Kate how are you? And I should say we are not related Andrew no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you people will remember you uh, uh, any fans of the show will remember you uh, you were one of the leaders last year I was indeed, yeah. And uh, tell me, how how are you doing now? I'm doing really well. Um, I was just sharing there. So obviously it's been 12 months since I kicked off my journey with Operation Animation. But, you know, through the eight weeks of the show, I lost uh, two stone three pounds. 
Um, and I'm happy to say uh, nearly a year on that I've ha- been happy to keep that off. Um, and it's with the tools that I learned within Operation Transformation that has enabled me to do that. If I remember correctly, Andrew, you, to me, looked like somebody who looked perfectly grand, actually, at the start of the programme last year. You didn't seem to me to be somebody that was, you know, you know, struggling hugely with their weight. But 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 it was something you really needed. To, you, you felt you really needed to do. Yeah, like I'm, I was probably the stereotypical Irish person that had a stone or two to lose. And I think, you know, it was a, it was a brave choice, Operation Transformation, choosing a leader like me, because there's many people out there that only have that small bit of weight to lose. And I really needed Operation Transformation because I had done all of the fad diets and I'd tried everything, but none of it ever worked until I did the Operation Transformation program. And that has enabled me throughout the entire 2021, bring everything that I learned in that eight weeks to avoid going back into that rut that I was in. And the bit that people were talking about today now, that bit where you had to come down the little gangway uh, in your smalls, if we put it that way, and Mm -hmm. get weighed. Were you like, was that difficult for you to do? I think it's daunting for anybody to get up on a weighing scales um, because it's that fear of what the number is going to to give you. But I think what I held uh, close to me was that I'm doing this and I'm putting myself out in, in front of an entire nation. But actually, I'm probably going to help someone at home to give them the confidence to stand in the weighing scales at home and not feel judged. I was doing it to improve my health and I knew that that is what I needed. I think if I was doing it at home and we've all done this where we've stand in the weighing scales, oh, I've lost a pound, I'm going to reward myself. By putting myself into the exposure of in front of the entire nation, it gave me that motivation to keep going and ensure that I did stay on plan. And did you feel judged, though, at that moment? No, not one bit, because if anything, although we couldn't hug each other, if anything, I knew that if I was going to have an emotional breakdown or be upset, I knew I had the support of the experts and Catherine standing beside me because they were never, I don't think their ambition is to do it to show or body shame people. They're there to empower people to make sensible, healthy choices to move forward. And what about then, I don't know if you heard Daniel there on the show from, uh, he was one one of the participants in that really powerful programme about male um, eating disorders, mm-hmm. unspoken. And he, he felt it was very, very uh, unfortunate message, you know, to highlight this idea that, you know, we're, the actual number of pounds you have or don't have somehow, you know, relates to your value. I don't think so, because like, you know, if we look at the BMI, and the BMI, you know, it's a calculator that isn't created by Operation Transformation, it's the body mass indicator, and I was morbidly obese, and from my age and my height and my weight, that's not good, and I think that's just a number, but do we go around the houses trying to figure out what is the right number to be? It's the advice that you were given helps me and helps everybody else that does follow the show make sensible choices to become healthier in their life. Right, you. Well, my sensible choice now is I, I'm afraid I have to leave it there. Andrew Barkhannon, many, many thanks for uh, joining us with, with that uh, and rounding off our show for today. Today's programme was produced by Annette Egan. Research was by Richie Byrne. Sound, on sound, we had Liam Mullen and our BCO today was Daniel Keating. Uh, Lisa Marie Berry is the series producer. And stand by now, Ray Darcy is up next. Liveline on RT Radio 1 with the all-new Kia Sportage, built for endless inspiration. The all-new Sportage, now at your local Kia dealer. 0818-715-815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.